One of the things that I notice about this time of year is how, how busy people are. I'm sure you notice the same thing. I also notice how hectic things are. You want to go to the store, it takes you five times as long to do what it would otherwise. And people are uh, seemingly really, for the most part, the majority of people seem to be really enjoying the season. I speak with a little sarcasm. Like it's Christmas, don't you know? I got to hurry up. Got to do this, got to do that. And everybody's out shopping. Everybody's trying to find gifts for the right people, the right thing. And, uh, of course, you can see some people as they're going through Walmart, you know, or wherever they happen to be, they're going through the, the, the buckets and they're just trying to find something. Just something that'll do, you know, for the kids or something for the stocking stuffer. It's kind of like more about uh, trying to amass a whole bunch of junk than it is actually often trying to think through what people might want or need. But even those who are very deliberate and conscientious about their choice of the gifts, uh, they spend a lot of time, they agonize over it, and it's a, it's a, very, it's a very difficult time. And during this time, when you think about giving gifts, obviously uh, the one person who gets left out most of the time in this process is the one whose birthday it is. And so this morning as we talk about giving gifts, Again, to Jesus, whose birthday we celebrate, uh, we need to remind ourselves of a couple of things. It is his birthday. And we also need to remind ourselves that it's not so much the fact that he became flesh uh, that is the focus of the Christmas story. It's the fact that God was born in order to live and die and give his life as a ransom. I mean, the whole, the whole story is absolutely beyond our comprehension. I can't fathom it. It's almost like being stuck in a box and you can't get out. And I guess in a sense we are. We live in a world where all of us are kind of in prison. We can't get out. People are trying always to get to the edge of the box, to find some way beyond this world. They look at this religion or that religion or they they try really hard to be good thinking that maybe there's an elevator that's called good that'll take them out of this box out of this world out of this prison but god invaded the box god came into the box john says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god And then the Word became flesh in verse 14 of John 1 and became flesh and dwelt among us, tabernacled among us. God took on the most most despicable aspect of creation, the flesh itself, which is identified clearly in the New Testament as the root of our own sinfulness. The Apostle Paul talks about that. And because of the disobedience of Adam and Eve, they sinned, all of us have sinned, and we have become all very fleshy, and Jesus took on flesh. He became flesh. So as we celebrate his birthday, it is absolutely essential that we give a gift that is worthy 
of the king, worthy of the child that is born. As I said, we've already looked at the gift of availability and the gift of praise. And today, we want to look at the gift of faith. The gift of faith. Giving the gift of faith means that we hear from God, we receive direction from God, or a declaration from God, and we respond in action to what we've been told, what we've heard. It's decisive action based on God's truth. That's what faith is. Faith is decisive action based on God's truth. It's responding in confidence and obedience to God's word and God's leading in our lives. And so we're going to take a brief kind of run through of the people that are seen in the story. We're going to begin with the Magi in Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 to 11. And for the sake of time, I'm going to just kind of rehearse these to you. But you'll have opportunity if you want to read in detail later. But the Magi in Matthew 2, 1 to 11, they received direction from God through the stars. Through the stars. I, I, I can't help but to think of Romans chapter 1 and verse 20 where it says that, that wherever you look, you can find God in creation. God has made himself known. And these are men who were seeking and looking, and God showed himself to them. And so they saw the star, they received this direction, and what did they do? They followed the star. They exercised faith. They followed the star. They showed up in Jerusalem. And there in Jerusalem they asked Herod, where is he that is born king of the Jews? So it was not just a matter of the star, there was something behind the star. And the Magi were connected directly, if you will, in their relationship going back to Daniel. Daniel became head over all of the Magi because he gave interpretation to Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And so they learned an awful lot from Daniel about the coming Messiah, the coming king. And so as these wise men traveled, they were looking for this one that was going to be born king of the Jews. And they asked Herod, and Herod, of course, took counsel with all the religious leaders and so on. And he said, where is he? Where is he supposed to be born? And they went, where did they go to find this answer? They went to the word of God. And in the word of God in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, it says that this child will be born in Bethlehem. And so Herod comes back and he says, the child's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. And by the way, when did you first see the star? He is curious about that. And he says, now you go and find him. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I too can come and worship him. So they begin their journey to Bethlehem. And what do they find? They find again the star. And then the star stops over the house. And of course, this is the point in time where, where Jesus is uh, probably between one and a half and two years old. He's not a baby in a manger at this point. They're in a house. But in, in their story, in their experience, you find them receiving instruction from God, leading from God, clear direction from God through others. And what do they do? They respond in faith. Respond in faith. Hebrews says faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1. 1. So they responded in faith, decisive action based on God's truth. They traveled to Bethlehem, found the child, and the Bible says that they worshipped. They worshipped the king and they gave him gifts. 
What about the shepherds? The shepherds are, are in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 17. The shepherds are out doing their shepherding. Any shepherds in here? Shepherds do not have a very um, big social life. Shepherds are doing their work and it's hard and difficult and tiring and it requires a lot of them and they don't have a whole lot of company from outside. They are considered in this particular society as being one of the lowest groups of people, shepherds. It's interesting, isn't it, that God didn't show up to Caesar or Herod or anybody else? In this case, he shows up to shepherds, lowly shepherds. And the angels, of course, declare the birth of Jesus. And the angels say the birth of Jesus will be in this fashion. You will find him wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Lying in a manger. They travel to Bethlehem, find, find the child, they praise God, they worship, and then they spread the word. It's interesting that there's no declaration in Scripture that as they declared what they saw, there wasn't a mass movement towards going to seeing the child that was born. They were busy. They were busy. They were out there in Bethlehem to register for the tax. They, they were literally consumed with doing that which was required of them. And the one thing that they wanted to do, most of the people that came from all over the place who were in the line of David to Bethlehem to register, they wanted to get in and register and get out and get back home. They were preoccupied. The shepherds. The shepherds heard. The shepherds responded. They exercised Faith. Faith. What about Joseph? Matthew 1, 18 to 25. Joseph received direction in a dream about the child that Mary was carrying and about what he ought to do as far as Mary is concerned. The Bible says that Joseph was a righteous man. And he didn't want to make a big deal of the situation. He didn't want to shame her publicly. He didn't want to have... Mary stoned, which he could have done. He just wanted to put it away, put her away privately, quietly, and let it be. Sure, after some time, everybody would know, but, but he didn't want to be the one that would accomplish that. Anyway, so he goes to sleep, and Gabriel shows up, and, and Gabriel tells him not to be afraid to take Mary as his wife because the child she's carrying is of the Holy Spirit. It is a work of God. Remember, Remember, it is the work of God where God overshadows, engulfs Mary. And within Mary is this child. The Son of God, the King of Kings. God himself in flesh. Joseph, what does the Bible tell us in Matthew 1, 18 to 25? It says, Joseph awoke, took Mary to be his wife, kept her a virgin until Jesus was born, and named him Jesus. I don't know about you, but these fascinate me. The responses of faith fascinate me. Mary, for example, again, Mary, the mother of God, she received a declaration from Gabriel that she would hear 
from God that she would have a son who would be the Messiah, that would take away the sins of the people. His name would be called Jesus. He would be Emmanuel, God with us. She even received clarification when she was told that this was going to happen as a result of the power of God, the power of the highest would overshadow her. And she declared willingly, be it unto me according to your word. She exercised faith. She exercised faith. I want you to notice a couple other things about these four individuals or groups of people. One, you'll notice that Joseph, we have no record of Joseph saying anything. I mean, just consider this for a minute. Joseph has been in turmoil his whole life, everything is before him, his reputation, everything is on the line. And he's, in, he's sleeping and God shows up and says, hey, Joseph, in a dream, in a dream. And what does Joseph do? Joseph wakes up and obeys. He does what God speaks to him in the dream. Isn't that fascinating? He doesn't say a word. We don't have any, any note anywhere that, that Joseph says anything. No questions. Nothing, oh, that we, oh, that I would be more like Joseph. God speaks, speaks, and I just keep my mouth shut and exercise faith and step out and do it. Mary, we already know what she asked. She said, how can this be? How can this be? Folks, that is not unbelief. That is wonder and awe. She's not saying she doesn't accept it. She's saying, how? How? And that's when the angel responds and God tells her how it's going to happen. The shepherds, basically the shepherds' question, I think, was what do we do? You read the passage, what do we do? Let's go. Let's go. All right, let's go. What do we do is not a question that is a question of unbelief. There's a desire to obey. There's a want to obey. There's, there's a yearning to do what God wants. And they're saying, what do we do? I mean, they got sheep to watch. I can just imagine the shepherd saying, God, sheep in your hands. Angels, you watch them. We're going to Bethlehem. They had issues. They had things to deal with, but they went. They went. Sometimes you're not going to get an answer of what we should do with all the other things that are in our lives, but you will get an answer of what to do in terms of worshiping and exercising faith. Do it. Do it. What about the Magi? The Magi came to Jerusalem and they said to Herod, and by the way, when it says that they asked, where is he born, king of the Jews? It's actually a description of them going through Jerusalem asking anybody that they could find, where is he born, the king of the Jews? Where is he born? Where is he born? Where is he? Herod gets a hold of this news and says, uh, come here, I want to talk to you guys. Of course, obviously, they really caused a ruckus in Jerusalem because when these folks traveled, they didn't travel solitaire, as you see in the cards. The Magi, they had their own full entourage. They had cooks. They had everything you can imagine. They had their own armies. 
So you can imagine what kind of havoc was brought upon Jerusalem and Herod when they showed up. But they said, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? What should we do? How can this be? These are all questions that are questions of faith, not unbelief. But I want to contrast that this morning with Zacharias. In Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 23, you find again a couple who have a need. Elizabeth's barren. She would love to be with child. And we find again Gabriel showing up as Zechariah is doing one of the most significant tasks of his life of the year. Offering sacrifice in the Holy of Holies. As he's gone in to do that, Gabriel shows up. And Gabriel tells him that Elizabeth, your barren wife, is going to have a son. And this son is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And your son will be the forerunner, the mouthpiece, the voice for the Messiah who will declare, prepare ye the way of the Lord. The one who will declare, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Zechariah. The dream of his life to have a child. And not just any child, he's going to have the forerunner of the Messiah. What is his question? How will I know for sure? Show me a sign. Show me a sign. What happened to him as a result of his unbelief? He couldn't speak, but in the context of the passage, he not only couldn't speak, but we find that when he comes out, when he comes out, others are using sign language in order to communicate to him if you read the the whole context. And so he's not only mute, but deaf. He can't speak. And I surmise from reading it that he also has a hearing problem. (laughs) And you can check that out. Whether he can hear or not, he cannot speak. He cannot say a word. Why? Because of his unbelief. Because of his unbelief. When you you read this, you find the response of Gabriel in verse 19. Here's his question. How shall I know this for certain? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Now, Now, it would have been different if if Zacharias would, would have said like Mary, how can this be? How is this possible? 
But he didn't say, how is this possible? He said, how will I know for certain? How about this? God, show me a sign. You show me a sign and I'll believe. He ended up not being able to speak until God did what God was going to do. And when the child was born, he speaks. And we have recorded for us in the scriptures his declaration of praise as a result. But for nine months, I mean, here's, here's a guy who cannot communicate. And the reason he can't is because he didn't believe. Listen to verse 19. The angel answered and said to Zacharias, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place because you did not believe my words. Because you did not believe my words. I wonder, I wonder how many of us are facing all kinds of things in our lives because we don't believe. Zechariah wasn't a shepherd. Zechariah wasn't someone who wasn't knowledgeable. Who was he? It was a priest, but he wasn't just any priest. He was a priest that was part of the elite that was chosen to go in to offer sacrifice in the Holy of Holies. He knew. He knew about Abraham and Isaac and Sarah and no doubt taught often about it. He knew about Hannah. He knew the Word. He understood He was a communicator of God's word to people. He was the conduit through which God's blessing would come upon the people. He wasn't someone who did not have knowledge and understanding of who this great and almighty and powerful God is and what God can do. He knew God was the creator. He knew the Messiah was coming. And he heard the words, Elizabeth's going to be, you know, you're going to have a son. Elizabeth's going to be with child. It's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's going to prepare the way of the Lord. Do you not think Zechariah knew these prophecies? Absolutely. That is why it is so hard for me, so hard for me, to to realize that Zechariah, as he's facing this situation, is basically saying, show me a sign. Come on, Zechariah. It's not your first trip around the block. Or maybe you're trying to follow the other of your own heritage that took 40 years around the desert, around Mount Sinai, because of unbelief. Unbelief. 
And we're not talking here about exercising faith upon something that is just a whim or something that is unknown or unclear. In all these instances, there is communication from God, from Gabriel, from angels, from the word itself. God is speaking to his people. And one by one, you see these individuals, a 15-year-old, a 16-year-old, a 15 and a 17-year-old. We don't know how old Joseph and Mary were, but they weren't old. We see shepherds. We see, all, we see these people responding in faith, exercising decisive action based on revealed truth, stepping out. And then we see someone who ought not to be that way. He knows too much. Maybe that's part of his problem. I don't know. I don't know. But my, my longing this morning is that you and I, you and I would not be like Zechariah. The gift of faith is a gift of decisive response to declared truth. It's stepping out. It's acting on what you've been told. It's responding to what God communicates. The very faith that you and I have, we're told in Romans 12, is actually a gift of God. It gives to everyone a measure of faith. So when we give the gift of faith, we're giving him what he's already given and placed within us to give. And in our faith, it's like a muscle. It grows. And the more you exercise faith in response to the Word of God, the stronger your faith, the stronger your ability to respond. That's why Zechariah is such a mind-boggling thing to me. But maybe it shouldn't be. Faith. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But probably this morning, the most significant verse I can share with you that separates fans from followers. Fans, unfortunately, act like Zechariah. Followers respond like Mary and Joseph, the shepherds, the wise men. Respond in obedience. But at the heart of every one of these who respond in faith is the fact that they, they really do understand this relationship that they have with God. And they also understand something else. This gift of faith, the Bible tells us that when you exercise faith, it does something to God. This Christmas, some of you have been thinking really hard about that special person in your life or people in your life, and you're thinking, I want to get them something that they really, they really will enjoy. I want to give them something that they will really be pleased to receive. I remember growing up, my parents, uh, when I was you know, just a young boy, they, they got me a basketball. They couldn't have given me anything better. 
Nothing pleased me more. As soon as I got it, I was gone. And there's other gifts over the years that I've been given that have the same kind of impact. It's just, oh man, you couldn't have given me a better gift. Thank you. Thank you. You've been giving gifts like that. Well, when you and I give God, give Jesus, the King of Kings, when we give him the gift of faith, that is to say, when we respond to truth and act on it, even though we can't see where it's leading, even though we don't have all the details, even though we don't understand, even though there's lots of questions about how and where and what, when we act in faith, guess what? It is a gift that the Bible says pleases him. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So conversely, if you exercise the gift of faith, what are you doing? Pleasing God. Pleasing God. And don't think you've got to respond in a massive, big way. All you have to do is start by saying yes, 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 over and over and over through the course of your day to the little things that God shows you, to the leadings of the Spirit of God in your heart, to forgive, to extend and seek forgiveness, to not try to be God, to let Him be God, to stop powering up, to let people actually come in the freeway and not cut them off, to be kind and gracious and merciful to be loving to your mate and to your kids. There's so many ways that you and I can exercise faith. Faith leads us to obey. And it pleases God. For some, this last week was challenging. Toma was uh, sharing Wednesday night about how, you know, being baptized was one of those things where she was kind of feeling like, ah, she was wrestling with it and stuff like that. And I'm not saying anything that she didn't say, so it's A-OK. <laughs> but anyway, she was telling how there was a kind of a struggle and stuff. And she, she and I talked and she, she said, well, I don't know, I don't know. And I said, well, just pray about it tonight. And so in the night, uh, she had a dream, a vision, whatever you want to call it. She saw, her, she saw herself coming up out of the water just like, ah, like this. And so she called me the next day. She says, I'm in. I'm in. God is so gracious to us, folks. So gracious. I believe that one of the reasons why Zechariah faced this particular consequence in his life is because he knew better. I really believe God is so gracious that some of us, as we learn and grow in our faith and we start walking with God, you know, he kind of says, that's okay, it's okay. You're, you're a child, you're just brand new. But when you've been walking a little while like Zechariah had, when you've learned a lot, when you've witnessed and seen and tasted, this is just not the, the way to respond. Give him the gift of faith. Give him the gift of faith. And you know, some of you this morning really are facing maybe a crossroads in your life right now. And you need to exercise faith instead of wanting to know all the details. If God has spoken, if God has made clear a a direction in your life, if God has communicated, say yes. Step out. 
Walk in obedience. Please Him. And it will please Him to bless you. Some of you this morning, you may be at the crossroads by saying, you know what, uh, I, I have heard a lot about this birth of Jesus and everything else, but I, I've never made a decision to trust Him. I've never, never made a decision to embrace that child that was born and lived a sinless life, died on the cruel, wicked cross, shed His blood to, to, to forgive us of our sins and rose victorious. I've never done that. Well, all you have to do is exercise faith. You can't do anything because he's done it all for you faith is the answer faith give him the gift of faith this morning give him the gift of faith not just today not just christmas every day it's a gift that you can keep on giving the rest of your life And it's a gift that continues to cause blessing and greater strength and faith in your life when you exercise it. So let's do it. It'll please Him. It'll please Him. If God's spoken to your heart this morning and you need to invite Christ to be your Savior and you've been kind of toying with that and you haven't done it, exercise faith. If God's leading you by his spirit and telling you that you need to extend a forgiving attitude and forgiveness to someone else in your life, don't debate it anymore. Just do it. If God is telling you that you messed up and you need to go and seek forgiveness, don't put it off. Don't put it off. Just like Jesus said, when you come to worship and you remember there that somebody has ought against you, leave your, leave your gift and go and make it right with your brother and then come back. Whatever it is, whatever it is this morning, folks, if it's, if it's simple or big or hard, here's the cool thing. When it comes to faith, it's not about what you can do. Did you hear me? It's about what God can do. Faith is not our ability to work it all out. It's not about us figuring it all out. Faith is about responding to what God has made clear. Whatever it is. You act on it, he'll give you something else to respond to. Exercise faith, he'll give you more. Exercise faith, he'll give you more. He will continue to lead you in paths of rightness, righteousness for his name's sake. And he'll bless your life incredibly. Just take those baby steps and give the gift of faith. Father, we are truly grateful that we have opportunity today to give the gift of faith. Lord, we long, we long this morning to please you. And we know, Lord, that in pleasing you, we will be blessed. It will please you to bless us. And so, Father, this morning, as we consider this gift of faith, there are things that clearly you want us to respond to this morning. There are things you want us to do this week. 
You've called some of us to stuff that's beyond our understanding. You're leading some of us in ways that, that, that we really don't understand. But just as Mary, Joseph, the shepherds and the wise men, just as they too faced lots of unknowns, there's one thing, Lord, that they knew. And that was that you were able and you were trustworthy and you were faithful and you were reliable. And so they stepped out in faith. Lord, may we please you today by stepping out in faith based on your revealed word and leading in our lives. Lead us to do that now, even as we declare together that by faith we can move mountains. By faith we can overcome anything. Faith is the victory, as John said, that overcomes the world. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we stand together and sing this song of declaration, if God's spoken to your heart and you want somebody to pray with or you want to just come and tell somebody, you know, I'm, I'm responding in faith to what God's told me to do. While we sing this and you celebrate and declare this to be so this morning, invite you to come. We'll be waiting in front to pray with you, to rejoice with you, whatever the need might be. Faith.